0: Welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Luke Giardi here with you, and as always, joined by my co-hosts, Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you on Monday night, July 13th, as we head into Tuesday. And we do have a bit to talk about because we've got big news dropping in the college football world, and unfortunately, uh, it was news that many people speculated on and we hope we wouldn't have to get to and we hope it's as worse as it gets but before we go into all that well i have to introduce my co-host anthony chris how you guys doing uh i don't know if you could hear but the ice cream truck just about to down my to street so
1: yeah, i wasn't I'm sure little, what that was no that's it's a party down here um i'm get i got a letter in the mail today that this week is or that this the next month or so is my neighborhood's been selected for the city of Taylor beautification project. So we'll see what that entails. So pretty exciting things happening over here. Um, I'm not, not doing too bad. Um, Mondays, uh, as we sit here and record here on a Monday, Mondays seem like they hit a little bit harder in the last three or four months. Yeah. Um, even though weekends are kind of not what they were before, but um, watched a couple Watched a couple of new things for the first time. It seems like in a while over the weekend, I finally watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. I watched uh, Palm Springs on Hulu earlier today. Um, I feel like there's some new and normalcy kind of returning, but um, with what we're about to talk about, perhaps it's just kind of like the mirage in the middle of the desert right
2: now. Yeah, I think I'd probably share the latter part of that sentiment a little bit more. You know, what I was thinking about, I think with what we're about to discuss today, what makes it so frustrating is that I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is almost the exact same as the stuff we talked about in March, just with a fresh coat of paint, just with a new sport that we're talking about. It's college football instead of college basketball. And in that aspect, it's it, it makes these podcasts, you know, kind of, just i mean it, I, I have a lot of fun with them but it's just frustrating that there isn't more optimistic news uh but with that said there is definitely uh a- important stuff to talk about and there has the wheels have been in motion and we're kind of collectively both like as a country and as as podcasters and as sports fans trying to pick up the pieces and figure out if how and when uh, we're possibly going to have uh college sports this fall
0: Well, the good news is, you know, unlike the last time we talked about this with college basketball, things didn't just get canceled outright. So that is the good news here. Uh, We do have a reduced schedule coming up. The Big Ten was kind of the first domino to fall, saying that they were going to go to a conference-only football schedule. Uh, The ACC was soon to follow in that. We've seen a lot of FCS conferences uh, completely cut their fall sports, the Ivy League being one of them as well. I know they are... uh, not FCS, but, or are they? They might be FCS. I can't really remember. But, uh, I mean, we've, we've seen the dominoes, you know, fall all over. And the good news is the FBS, the Power Five, right now, football's on. Going to be a reduced schedule, conference only. You know, the SEC hasn't formally announced it, but there's been a lot of uh, sound bites and quotes to say, yeah, the SEC is probably going to be you know, a conference only schedule as well. And we're just hoping that we do have football. I, I I know it's been a big meme out there, but what does that mean for someone like Notre Dame? Like, has anyone actually answered like what the independents are going to do if we do have a college football season? Well, the ACC is going to bail Notre
1: Dame out uh, pretty much. My understanding is because really? they, Notre Dame has that schedule with the ACC where they're playing what, I think six games against them anyways. So I think that the ACC is going to kind of be the lifeboat for Notre Dame. I mean, for the, the Yukons and the, um, you know, the armies of the world. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is for any of it. Um, I know that I, I think a few of the, the quote unquote benefits of the conference only schedule, at least from a big 10 point of view, and people are saying, Oh, well, you know, it's, you know, reduce travel. They want to keep travel to a minimum. Well, I mean, you've got schools as far west as Nebraska and as far east as, you know, Rutgers and Maryland. So you're still traversing almost half the country. I think we're the biggest benefit, and again, none, none of it's a benefit right now, but, you know, for example, Michigan was supposed to host Arkansas State this season, and they were going to pay them, I believe it was $1.8 or $1.9 million for that game. And a lot of those buy games, you can get away with that because you know that you're going to get, you know, I I don't know what the gate numbers look like, but let's just say you're going to get five, six, seven million just from, you know, ticket sales alone. Um, If you don't have fans in the stands, it's not financially prudent to pay someone almost $2 million to complain. So uh, I think, I mean, that obviously hurts conferences like the Mac too. I think 11 games are scheduled between Mac schools and big 10 schools. Um, I think the biggest benefit of conference only is probably the fact that at least it allows the conference itself, because at this point the NCAA is kind of just, Hey, figure it out. Uh, We support whatever you want to do. The conferences are going to be able to come up with streamlined protocols and and the rules to follow. So, and to, to my knowledge, most big 10 schools have been in pretty good shape. Uh, Ohio state paused their workouts last week, didn't put out their numbers. So, I think there's probably a little bit of a concern down in Buckeye territory right now, at least with how the numbers are looking right now. But um, yeah, I, I, it's, things are looking very different. And, and I'm not so convinced that we're going to still get college football. But at, at least as of today is July 13th, schools are still planning to play football this fall. Um, now, the further we get and, and results don't improve, I think it's probably – if you ask me is it more likely that there's spring football or no football, I would probably lean no football because I just don't know how the spring model can work.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much with you there. I think I'm even probably more skeptical than, than you guys are. I just kind of looked at the, the implementation – of a ten game conference only schedule is kind of like the first domino to fall, and we saw this kind of with college basketball. I mean, obviously things went a lot faster, but we saw it go from okay, we're going to play with everyone in attendance to, uh, well, well, we'll play without fans to well, let's just cancel the conference tournaments to I uh, we got to cancel the whole thing. Um, I, I I see that much more of a slow burn, but I see a similar process going down with college football. I, I appreciate the effort. I think it makes sense. Uh, you you know you brought up. How you know travel is something that is one of the reasons why uh, they're you know implementing a ten game schedule. But one thing I read, I think it was Graham Couch who tweeted this, is that teams in the same conference all use the same COVID nineteen testing parameters. So that made that make a lot more sense because the Big Ten is is you know bigger both in scope and in terms of geography than it than it ever used to be. Like there are still a lot of traveling that goes on but the idea of okay well they they all you know are are used kind of the same safety protocols uh that that made a lot more sense but yeah look I, right now you know it's it's July 13th and in fairness look we're only well, i mean what now 2 months potentially from uh you know game so it's not out of the realm of possibility but you know like i just i can only look at it you know based on the way things are in our state and, you know, we've kind of in the last couple of weeks at least regressed. I mean, we've now gotten to a point where masks are uh, a requirement. And, hey, you know, what? If, if implementing something like that is what's going to lead to us potentially playing college football, man, I'm completely all for it. I've never been somebody who's against the, some of these uh, executive orders. I, I do have one question, though. As far as ske- – has is the schedule – when is that going to release – going to be released and will they be starting – in mid-September as opposed to late August?
1: I don't know. I don't well, I think wondering. they know. Yeah, I was going um,
0: to think that you would think they'd want to start as late as possible, right, to give themselves as much time as yeah. possible for this thing to kind of be well, under know, control.
1: Right. We know that they don't want to go. I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, what they're kind of, it kind of seems like, I think 10 games is kind of what you're looking at right now. Right. Um And you're looking at a situation where you'd play, I I think they'd maybe do two big 10 West games at the front of the schedule. Then the five or the five games, whatever, whatever it is, they're leaving. Like my understanding is what's being discussed is two weeks at the beginning and two weeks at the end have the wiggle room to like not be played at all. But those middle games, like your games against Michigan state, Penn state, Ohio state, um, would be more kind of front loaded so you can guarantee those and, and get as close to a full season in as possible. Like, I don't, I don't know, but we know that they don't want to play past Thanksgiving because once that week comes around, they want kids to go home until after I think the new year. So I, I, I would think you wouldn't be looking at that first weekend in September. I would think probably, at the earliest that next week or the week after. Uh, but I, as far as when a schedule is going to come out, I don't know. There are some people that say they could play a 10-game schedule that's just in the division where you play a home-and-home home with everybody. It could be you just play everyone once, and then everything else is a is those teams from like the, the West division. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they know yet. And here's the thing. I'm less worried about the travel because I know – I think that they'll be able to protect people upon traveling and on game day. It's when, you know, I'm more worried about at home, um, for college athletes. Like you can't, you can't restrict them to a bubble because one, they're not paid and two, they're not unionized. So you right. can't like unilaterally make them do that. Now you can say, if you want to play football, this is what you have to do, but you can't necessarily hold them to that. Um, but it's just one of those things where if you want to play, you might have to make that sacrifice. Um, I think what concerns me, like, do we have to close college bars in the fall? Because that's, you know, we talk about bars and how that's kind of the hotspot for how this thing spreads. Um, I don't know if bars in college towns can be opened if they're going to play football
2: or any sports this fall. I I don't see how they can be
0: there's no, there's no way it has to be a completely different campus life or else you're going to have outbreaks. Like that's just the way it is. We we've proven that we cannot buy our own good faith, contain yeah. this thing because we're just not responsible enough as well, individuals in this country. Kids,
1: you're asking college kids not to be college kids too. Cause then it becomes a game of whack-a-mole where, okay, if they can't go to the bar, there's going to be a party somewhere.
2: Like, oh, yeah. and,
1: and you
0: can't police that. So, um, I, think I, honestly, I honestly think that the only way college football could be played is if no students are on campus. And like you just said, Anthony, you can't force these guys to be on campus when no other regular students are because, well, you, the NCAA has kind of, you know, dug or made their own bed with this, right? Now they have yeah. to lie in it. They've, they've spent years and years saying that these guys are just students that, you know, happen to play a sport on top of it and, all of a sudden, something like this comes along. You can't force them to play, and you're going to lose out on billions of dollars.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely, and you might see maybe guys opt out because of that. Um, I don't know. Um, all I know is that when you ask college kids, like I feel like you're better off not asking college kids to do much more than they're asked, because if you don't restrict them, that pull to the dark side, so to speak. You know, it's it's like a reverse psychology type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what's encouraging is that when Jim Harbaugh spoke last week, um, he made a point to really single out how his players have been practicing social distancing. They've been wearing the masks and workouts and how they've kind of educated themselves and want to position themselves as how to be examples for the rest of the student body. I think that's great. And I think if a lot of, of, if other schools and their athletes are kind of doing the same thing, that certainly helps um, the chances of football being played um, right now. Is it probably a little too early to straight up cancel the season? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is um, especially uh, when, when you, with the weeks and weeks of data. And, and I, I mean, who knows when the peak of this thing is going to wind up being in the country. Cause obviously it wasn't a few months ago now. So I, I don't, I don't know. Um, that's where I think, it's probably more likely we get the 10 games and then go from there. I think it's a lot easier to to pair back from there than to just, you know, we're going to plan on playing 12 games. Because then you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room on each side of the schedule. Right. And like I said, um, well, I, I don't know.
0: I, I do want to ask, and Chris, I feel like you're really well prepared to ask this because college football, man, I, like, I live for it. You know, that's Mm -hmm. that's my thing that I look forward to every Saturday. I love the college football season. I love the NFL, too, but I mean, college football is just a just a different animal for me. And you're a big baseball guy like that is your favorite sport, you know, Mm -hmm. and you've had to go, you know, the last couple of months. The season was supposed to start. There hasn't been baseball and I've been trying to envision like, what does my life look like without a college football season? So, what has it been like for you, like without baseball, at a time where you're used to being almost halfway through the season at this point?
2: Well, what was weird is that for the longest time, my frustrations uh, were were more were more aimed towards um, Major League Baseball and the fact that they had these ridiculous labor negotiations going on. But no, it's been. Uh, It's been extremely rough. Uh, It it, it hasn't been fun. You know, I think that I speak, you know, all of us, you know, we're we're guys who create content, we're podcasters. And even without that, something like college football uh, gives us a, a week's worth of stuff to talk about. And it's the same with baseball. You know, I have something to look forward to every night. And I think part of the madness that a lot of people have been feeling over the last a couple months has been the fact that a lot of these outlets, whether it be sports, whether it be gyms, whether it be going to the movies have been taken away from people. And I think it's led to a lot of, of serious anger. You see these videos of people, you know, rioting over this, this ridiculous, or I mean, rioting is in like fighting in stores, not like the actual, you know, protest stuff. But no, I mean, it's, it's been, um, it's been tough. And I, I guarantee with the cases going up, um, it's something that is, is probably only going to get worse. And, and you don't want to see it because, look, I mean, yeah, baseball is my number one. But, man, I I love the environment of college football. I love coming on here and talking about it with you guys. And it is something that probably, and, and I think that e- even the most dyest of diehard baseball fans would admit this, F- baseball is no longer America's pastime. Football has become America's pastime. And I think mainly college football. Has become America's pastime, and to go an entire year uh, without without seeing any action or even in in limited capacity, it will be um, it will be devastating for a lot of people, and it will lead to a huge shakeup in how the games covered and in sports media. There's so much uncertainty right now, and it's it's really disappointing.
0: Well, Jim Harbaugh had some thoughts on you know playing through the pandemic. We'll talk about that when we come back here on Brewcast. Back in on Brewcast, Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani with you on Monday, July 13th, headed into Tuesday. And before the break, I told you that Jim Harbaugh, he had some thoughts on playing through uh, the coronavirus pandemic, and it made some headlines. It was kind of taken out of context, but I would also like for – Maybe you guys to uh, explain the context more so because even when I saw the full quote in context, you know, Jim Harbaugh said uh, there hasn't been anything to prove that sports makes it any worse. And I think I I, I still couldn't understand what he meant because he talked about, you know, the coronavirus is part of our society now and there's nothing to back up that sports makes it any worse. But I, I feel like especially a, a contact sport like football, like that goes against everything we kind of know about the virus. So I, I'm, I'm looking for a little more context because people were like, oh, it's taken out of context. But with the context, without the context, I didn't really understand that statement.
1: Uh, I think the way that I described it before we recorded kind of sums it up in that I think it was just kind of a fleeting Harbaugh misspeak that was then taken out of context, because when you look at the full quote, um, you know, it was more along the lines of you know, our guys are ready to play, but we know that there are people who are making these, you know, the health officials will, will adhere to whatever they have to say. Um, you know, they're willing to play with no fans. They're willing to, they're willing to do everything they can to play, but they're not, you know, they're not looking to move mountains in order for that to happen. Like we right. have to be in a state where it can happen. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think it's the forum to drag and I'm not going to drag any media members for this, but it's just, you know, kind of another example of one, one little quote from a, you know, live tweeting, a press conference, it turned into, you know, it was a trending topic on Twitter throughout the day. And there wasn't, you know, of course I everyone who doesn't like Jim Harbaugh takes it as the opportunity to dunk on the guy. And that sucked to see, but I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I talked about the quote a little bit earlier where he talked about how his players, want to be forces for, you know, set an example for this and, and adhere to the guidelines and things like that. And I think that's, I take much more out of those comments than I do, you know, uh, breaking news. Uh, football coach wants to play football, wants to coach football. Like, I don't think, that's not a story to me. Um, I think it, social media has a way to blow blow those things up a little bit. And I, I don't have a problem with what was said, I don't have a problem necessarily with how it was reported because things can spiral into, you know, Twitter trends pretty quickly, but um, it's just kind of an example of people jumping on something that didn't really need to be jumped on, jumped on.
2: Yeah. It's like, we've learned s- several things and we learned them pretty quickly. Uh, when, once Harbaugh got to Michigan, but we especially know them now uh, now that we're coming up on year six, one of them is that, Jim Harbaugh, smart guy, great football mind. He has a very, He's a remarkably intelligent guy when you listen to him. Uh, also has a tendency to kind of just say things. And uh, I think he's ended up putting his foot in his mouth a lot because of that. Now, now you know, he'll have like these very long diatribes and he'll be well-spoken and eloquent. And then he'll come across something like that where you kind of just say, Why, Jim? Why? And the other thing that we know about Jim Harbaugh is that Jim Harbaugh makes news. Jim Harbaugh leads to a lot of clicks. Jim Harbaugh gets pe- gets views on, on people's websites. And, you know, he dropped a comment like that that I think even within the full statement of the comment – within the full context of the comment was not something that a, a you know, seasoned uh, college coach public figure should say. Like even – I understand was completely blown out of proportion, but just in general – probably not something that you you should you should bring up or mention during a press conference especially during these very tumultuous times but um you know I, it was one of those things that it, it no matter what he said someone was gonna find something and twist it because they always do it's it's just the 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 nature of who he is and the kind of audience that he attracts but like you said Anthony when you take the whole press conference as a whole, into account, uh, he was a guy who was saying a lot of positive things, and this is a guy who yeah. is is as much a football mind as there has ever been. I mean, you could make the jokes about you know what he has or hasn't done at Michigan, but the guy loves football more than anything. He wants to coach football more than anything, and I'm sure this this pandemic and even the possibility of not playing several games, let alone not playing a whole season, is probably crushing him. And you know he made he made a statement like that that taken out of context, probably um, a lot of people latch onto, but I think in general, uh, he's well-intentioned. He's a guy who wants to continue to coach, who wants to play football. And and in general, I don't think anyone should see anything wrong with that. It's a typical case of something being blown out of proportion.
1: Yeah, I do have the quotes pulled up, so I don't want to – I should have had this ready anyways, but um, this is basically what he said. He said, if it comes to a point in time where you say that we can't play, it's obvious, it's clear, then everybody would be reasonable and know that it was the right thing to do. And by that, he means not playing. He says, COVID is a part of our society. It wasn't caused by football or caused by sports. And there's no expert view right now that I'm aware of that sports is going to make that worse. It's part of our society. We're going to have to deal with it. Um, And then on the backside of that was these kids are going to have to do the same thing. They've got to go to school. They've trained their whole lives for the opportunity to play their sport. That is my view with the knowledge that we have. And the time to learn more about it. It would be my responsibility, our responsibility and the player's responsibility also to keep themselves safe and get the schooling and training that they need. Um, I can see where, like I said, I can see where out of context that would be taken um, the wrong way, Uh, but he opens it by saying, if students are on campus, then my personal belief as a parent would be that if campus is safe, then sports, could potentially be safe. So um, again, it's, I think it's mostly much ado about nothing, especially when you've got an off season of, um, of coaches like Dabo, who is trying to basically pray the virus away. (laughs) You've got, you've got coaches like Mike Gundy wearing like crazy conspiracy theorists, you know, news outlets being photographed, wearing a t-shirt of that. It's like, that just this doesn't register as a controversy to me. So
0: and that and all those things that you just mentioned really point out the fact that these guys really need college football to happen in the fall. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh man, with, with the spotlight on them without football, there's a lot of crazy, crazy people uh, sur- that surround themselves, you know, in, in college football, especially with the coaches, sure. man. Yeah. There was there was one more piece of news I wanted to touch on. I think it dropped here today. Nico Collins is going to be wearing number one here uh, this upcoming year. Granted, we do have a football season. What do you guys think? You like it? You, you like him uh, continuing the legacy of the number one jersey?
1: Uh, I think that talent wise, he could be capable of it. Now, um, this isn't a situation where he's been awarded the number one jersey, like, right? He just kind of asked for it and got it is what my understanding of it is. Um, and this has been a point of contention with at least, you know, we, we ask why brethren Edwards has a, you know, somewhat of a, uh, an ax to grind against Jim Harbaugh. When I interviewed him back in October, he isn't necessarily happy that Harbaugh just gives the number out and it's not earned by guys. Um, I won't, I mean, Nico Collins, to me, I think he's pretty clearly talented enough to sport that number Uh, his lack of production is not for lack of effort, like maybe his counterparts in the wide receiver room that are no longer there this year uh, might've been, but um, yeah, why not? Nico's Nico's a good player. Now, if you're going to wear that number one, you have to, you have to ball and you have to be the guy. And I think that he can be, Um, he's going to get a lot of attention. There's a lot of guys that are inexperienced in that room. He's going to have to be the guy. And now if you're going to give, He's kind of the guy by default, so why not just give him the number? See what he can do with it.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where, and I actually, I know Braylon has had a tendency to have a lot of controversial opinions. I, that's one where I understand his stance on that because he was a guy who asked for number one. Lloyd's, Lloyd said you got to earn it, and he went out there and he did earn it. Braylon Edwards, yeah. one of the best that, receivers. Go that ahead.
1: part of his story is is legitimately, like, awesome. If you get a chance to read about
2: it. Right. No, I'm, Yeah. And, and I, I have a ton of respect for what he did. At Mich- I was, you know, one of the earliest uh, athletes I remember in Michigan, Braylon Edwards. So I get that uh, part of his argument. I do. I will say, I think in general, the idea that every receiver at Michigan that's worn number one has been this elite stud receiver was kind of thrown out the window even before Braylon. Like I, Tyrone Butterfield wore number one, you know, like yeah. he did. Thirteen catches and two hundred and seventy-nine yards in his last year at Michigan. Like that, that yeah. I I don't think Devin Funches with his uh, you know consistent you know uh, amount of drops, his his season with Devin Gardner there did that number any favor. So I think that has it's lost its luster uh, a little bit, but I, I still think it's a cool tradition. I I, I and I I it's something I want to see carried on at Michigan. It is we can all agree a million billion times cooler than the stupid Dave Brandon legacy jerseys. Um, yeah, I mean I'm
1: I'm less worried about who's wearing number 1. I want to know who the next quarterback is that's going to wear 98.
2: Exactly, yeah. right. So I, I want
0: to throw you know, up thinking about that.
2: Yeah, those were <laughs> that was uh that was a, a dark age of of Michigan football for sure, but uh, especially in the marketing standpoint. But uh and no, I, I it's one of those things and I I, I think we've all spoken really highly of Nico Collins on here. Uh, I think he's a guy who, uh, if there's a guy who's going to earn it uh, or deserves it, it would be him. A big reason for that is he had the opportunity to go pro. And I think all of us agreed that between him and Donovan Peoples-Jones, the guy probably most NFL-ready at the end of last season was Nico Collins. He chose to stay, and DPJ went pro, and I I, I have no no. Not, no issue against him for doing that, uh, so I think it's it's a cool thing for him, and he's a guy who stayed. He's been there forever. Um, let's see if he can he can carry on the tradition the way Edwards and Terrell and Anthony Carter did. I, I look forward to it.
0: Yeah, I love it. it. It's, just, it's just a great look on a jersey. I just love the number one for a wide receiver.
2: Just, yeah, especially yeah. especially at Michigan with the with the winged helmet and the the amazing blue uniform. It looks dope. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm just hoping like college football in any capacity happens, like even if it's just six, seven, eight games, like I want to see what kind of film he puts out there because so you look at like the draft and I'm not looking at NFL draft stuff too hard right now, other than we're kind of hard up for content. So I've needed ideas here and there, but a lot of people kind of have Nico Collins as like that fifth, sixth, seventh round type of receiver. So that's, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones went in the sixth round. We'll see if Tarek Black ever gets drafted now that he's down at Texas. But um, I, I I am willing to make a gentleman's bet of a dollar with anyone that uh, Nico Collins will be drafted much earlier than the sixth round of the
2: time. I, I would
0: agree with that. Yeah. Oh, No question about it. His talent is through the roof, man. But like you said, and that's a that's the thing, too, right, is like if we don't get a season, you know, we lose out on getting to watch guys like him or he loses out on getting to, I don't know, improve his draft stock. Him, a guy like quitty Pay, uh, I think he could have a, a huge year and kind of make that jump like Josh Uche did last year, you know, so uh, not only for us, but for these guys as well to really put something out there on tape, uh, I really do hope. That we get something, but uh, can I well, can I ask one final question before we yeah. get out of here? Yeah, like spring football is not going to work, right? No, yeah. not not with that. Not if you plan on having a regular season in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, because it's like no way. I, just, I can't help but feel
1: like we're either getting college football this fall in a a weird abbreviated type of package, or we're not getting it till next year. Exactly, because um, I, I know people say, well, you're, they're going to lose a lot of money if they don't play. Yeah, but if they don't play anything, the operating costs aren't there. So mm-hmm. you're not maybe sinking yourself into. I mean, that we're talking about the business side of it, which I'm not qualified to speak on. But um, I'm not rooting. The, and that's the other thing. You always, anytime you bring up the possibility of sports not being played, you get the pocket of people who are like, "Oh, you're you're rooting for it." Like, listen, I don't I don't care enough about you know the election or politics to even entertain the idea that they would tank an entire year of economic growth and pro sports being played just to get someone out of office. Like I don't buy that. So also my job, like my job is kind of for sports to be played. And if it's not played right, <laughs> what, I, I, what am I doing? I mean, I'm, I'm making cold, cold calls working for Dunder Mifflin. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, <laughs> I want sports to be played, but I, I, I want to be realistic too, you know, and I want people to be safe more, you know, more than anything. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with it right now. That's the mental health check for a week for this week.
0: But but to answer your question, I don't think there's any way we see spring football. No,
1: no, not no, without, no we might see it, but it'd be exhibition football where no. you're not getting any, anyone who has any type of draft stock would not play.
0: Also, I, I guess I, I haven't. I don't even know if I've seen anyone answer this. Like, do uh, are we getting? Are we axing the college football playoff? Or are we axing the bowl games? Has Has anyone talked about that? I was, was, was
2: when- going to bring that up as a question because you 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 will first of all, what's the criteria now for making a bowl game? Is it winning five games and two? Right. Uh, the if they want to, you know, not play a ton of games after Thanksgiving. The bowl season is a full two months, essentially, or close to it, a full month and a half after you know the the uh, the final regular season games. Um, so something's going to have to be sacrificed. My guess is they would still, and this is I don't have a ton of evidence to support this. Maybe Anthony might have a bit more, but I I my guess is they would still go forward with the college football playoff, but the I. Do not envy a single person who's going to be on the the committee this year, because very often what decides uh, who makes the playoff and who doesn't, you know, what teams are contenders and which teams are pretenders, are what teams do in their non conference schedule, who they scheduled, who they yeah. beat, who they well, lost to. You don't is, have those determining factors anymore.
1: This is my take on what how they should move forward with that, and like I'm a proponent of them expanding the playoff, but I don't. I think for one year, if everyone is just playing, because um, if they play, I see a very realistic scenario where it's just the power five playing. I wouldn't be surprised if the group of five didn't play. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they expanded the playoff for one year and had a couple of like bubbles. Cause then you, if you have kids that are, you know, if you have teams in the playoff, then maybe you can afford to do the bubble thing a little bit more over the holidays where you're putting them in, you know, a bubble city or, or what have you. I think you'd kind of have to do it where you just, it's an eight team playoff. Uh, we'll take, or maybe, maybe it's a 16 playoff. I don't know, but you take the power five winners and either one at large team or, or three of them. Like that's, if you're going to do the playoff in any type of you know, scenario, I kind of think that's the way it has to be done. Um, I don't know how, if this is the road we're going down, I don't know how it can just be four teams. So I don't know. Who knows? I, I I'd say it's much more likely there's a Rose bowl than there is a, you know, a Duke's mayonnaise bowl, but right. I, I don't know. Cause those, a lot of those bowl games are, you know, they're not making money off the Bahamas bowl. Like they're not making money off of the Gasparilla the bad boy mowers bowl. Like, but the Rose bowl and fiesta bowl, sugar bowl, I'd have to think there's so much money involved in those that I I'd have to think they would, still do those, but I don't, those are the other, that's the other thing. Like what you have to prepare for the possibility that those don't get played at all either. Cause what if God forbid, there is some kind of horrible cause we're not, we're not in the second wave yet. Like people will tell you we're in the second wave. We're not in the second wave. We never left the first wave. So <laughs> right. if there's some kind of uh horrible you know, black plague looking second wave of this virus, we have to be prepared for them to maybe play only a couple games before things get shut down. I don't, I don't know. I cannot state enough that we are talking out of our rear ends as it pertains to matters relating to public health. Like That's just kind of how it is.
0: And we'll see if we get more answers you know, in the upcoming weeks because pretty soon they'll have to make a decision. But until then, Chris, where can we find you on social media?
2: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani twenty fourteen. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two o one four. You can there you'll find the links to many things. But I'm really trying to push my YouTube page. Been reviewing a lot of movies recently. Uh, once again, my timing has just been impeccable. Uh, started you know started reviewing movies when movie theaters were shut down, and I got a baseball podcast when baseball got shut down. But you can follow that as well. Locked on Tigers. That's available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, subscribe leave a positive review it would be much appreciated so uh please follow me on uh, all those platforms
1: anthony where can we find you follow me on twitter at anthony t broom uh, be sure to like the facebook and instagram pages of Mazen brew as well got a few messages in the last week or so saying that we don't push those enough so there we go there's that push for there um follow Maze and brew on twitter at Maze and brew get our shows and podcasts wherever you get your content Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. So uh, thanks for another week of listening to us ramble.
0: You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And remember to subscribe and leave a review, as Anthony said, for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast, by searching Mesa Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Had a good time with you, and we will see you next week on Brewcast.